We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter if you'd like. And this is the show where we go over yesterday's slate a bit. A little bit about yesterday's slate. We go over uh, today's slate. We have a five-game slate. Hopefully it stays at five games. You never know. You never know with COVID. It's, it's, it's not been that bad the past, past week. We, we could see. We'll take a first look at some strategies for uh today's slate and uh and i answer your your dfs strategy questions in the youtube chat so if you're in there you know what to do i got i got but my wife had to go and get brand name apple juice 
So I don't have Minute Maid. I got Kroger brand apple juice. Does it taste any different? Uh, it's hard to tell. In my mind, it feels like this is crappier apple juice. But probably if you put this apple juice in the Minute Maid bottle, I think it's the same thing. So maybe maybe it's more, it's a psychological thing. But uh, But you have to keep it cold. Okay, throughout the show, I'm going to be on for about an hour or so. And this thing is going to get, it's going to get cold. So you have to hit the thumbs up button. The thummy thumbs, hit the thummy thumbs to keep, keep my apple juice cold throughout the show. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Meet Plow, Daniel Hutchings, Jabocalypse, Card Fan, Hog Lawrence, Kevin Copeland, DJ Cicero, Corey Wilson, Trey McRae, Alex Softy's here. He's a Roto Grinders contributor. He's here. FF Assassin, Matt Mears, Ronald Coley. All you guys, if you're listening on the podcast, on the podcast feed, you could get this as a podcast, audio-wise, on iTunes. Uh, the Roto Grinders DFS pregame show, if you want to listen later, download it. But they're jealous because they're, they're not here live, interacting with the show, asking questions, contributing to the chat. Some people even in the chat answer each other's questions. Makes it better for me. I don't even have to bother answering them. So uh, on yesterday's slate, yesterday's slate was... Uh, was uh was is Smith not not doing very well? <laughs> okay, we got some uh some of the chalk that failed, right? Is Smith, Keldon Johnson, he had a minus. I mean, he had two fouls, so he had minus five point five at the half, so that didn't work out. Malik Monk really didn't get there. Some people went on him. Uh, Lamelo Ball ended up being popular even on DraftKings, which I thought was a little bit odd, uh, for his price and the construction. Uh, but uh, like Lou Dort, he got injured. So that knocked out 15% of the field. But it was primarily the OKC guys because we had SGA who was out and they didn't price these guys up enough against the Rockets. Then we had a Westbrook out. So that put Ishmith kind of in play and some, some of the Wizards. Then we had Aldridge out. So that meant Pirtle would start and it, they didn't price up DeRozan or Murray or any of the spurs up enough because of that then we had uh kemba walker out marcus smart already out so tatum and jalen brown were were popular plays then we had john wall out so oladipo and gordon uh got got a bump so that was kind of that was kind of the you know malik monk obviously because terry rogier is out and he had a, he had a big game before so like monk and ball and zeller i guess and hayward you know they got some ownership but that was the lay of the land. And then we had Sabonis, who was like underpriced. They moved this price down against the Bucks. He got there. But looking across uh, a lot of the, the top 150 max players in the, the 100K fadeaway, uh, looking through, looking through all of this. And uh, one thing I noticed, I'm going to try to find it. Kobe for MVP won with uh, Sterling Brown at 3,100 in the small forward spot. Chet Abyss, Sterling Brown. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, with Wall out, that guard rotation is going to be more minutes. Okay? There's going to be more minutes there. So, uh, so Sterling Brown, Ben McLemore, uh, who else? Who else is in the backcourt? Matt Mason Jones, I guess, right? Mason Jones is there. So, uh, 
So I guess, I mean, you could have played those guys, but I mean, Sterling Brown came in at one, 1% uh, owned. And we're trying to get, we're trying to get my screen back up here so I could show you results DB. Okay, I think I'm reconnected now. We have a join.me issue here. So good. We'll take care of that. But we see Sterling Brown. So I'm I want to look at Kobe for MVP, Chetabisk. Let's see, Grape Pond. No, okay. Grape Pond didn't have Sterling Brown, but still at Elf Payton, who put up 37.5 for 3,900. So it's like it seemed like you needed a like one of those types of key players, Hishmu. What was his best lineup? No, kind of Luca. I mean, no, no one that's sub 1% or something, you know, around that range. Josh Richardson here, that, that was someone that I played a bunch of. 4,500. He was 6% owned. Everyone was going towards those OKC guys. And, and Josh Richardson, I still think, is underpriced based on that lineup that the Mavs are running in with Luca, Richardson, Finney Smith, Porzingis, and Powell. It's like who's who who else handles the ball other than Luca and Josh Richardson? So if they want to play Luca off the ball, like it'll basically be Josh Richardson playing point guard. So I thought at 4,500, it was a good pivot, good ownership in lineups where instead of playing Maladon or Diallo, you know, you could play Josh Richardson instead in those spots. Miles Bridges has a good game, obviously starting for PJ Washington. But I'm looking at the Sterling Brown and the Elf Payton. Now, if we, we take a look at this ownership, I'm, I'm going to assume they didn't. It's, I don't think anyone slammed them or anything. Peyton. See, yeah, Chetabis got in 16% alliance. So and that was that was a lot because we have 3% here, 8% there, and zeros. I mean, not much. Take a shot with the cheap guard. Let's look at Sterling Brown. Sterling Brown, see, like still basically go before MVP and Chetabis. 3%, 7%, so, but not a ton. It just happened to be. Got the right, got into the right lineup. Three percent of 150 lineups is what? Five lineups, right? So it's not like they they were in a ton of their lineups, but it just was interesting. I mean, that's why I look at this. I go, how many lineups could he be in? And obviously, didn't have it as much uh, as Schmidt. So had to find cheap guards in kind of the three to five k range to not be is Schmidt. See what also went under on Jalen Brown. So I had to find small forwards. So let's see it. Small forward. Let's see. We look down here. We see some Baisley, small forward, some Dort that didn't get there. Played a bunch of Giannis. That was power forward. Justin Jackson, power forward. Porzingis, Thompson. Still looking for small forwards. Oh, Caleb Martin. There we go. Here's here's where the pivots start coming in. Caleb Martin, Derek White. Anything else? Anything else down here? A little bit of Davis Bertans, a little. I mean, just trying to Jaden Nowell. I mean, come on, in like three lineups or something. Just guys that fit. Just so happens that Sterling Brown is up there. Same for Chetabisk with the Peyton. Right? Played less Brown, less Smith. I mean, it makes sense for the construction. Less Monk, less Beal. So he said, all, where, where are all these guards and small forward spots going? Because he's still playing plenty of Diallo and Maladon. Okay? Still plenty of them. Still plenty of Sabonis. Still Oladipo. Still Pirtle. Still a lot of DeRozan. A lot of LaMelo Ball. It's like, where do those shooting guard and where do where those shooting guard and small forward spots go to? 
Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, he didn't get there. He's negatively correlated to, to Sabonis, so I get it. Patrick Williams a little. See, more Caleb Martin. So, I mean, essentially, yeah, and Derek White. I mean, makes sense. And then Elf Payton there, right? There, there you go. A little Trey Lyles. I mean, that's like non-Purtle lineups, I guess. Muscala. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, just backup center, I guess. Bertans. Very similar. Kind of a similar similar types of constructions. And then we have guys like Greg Papone, like just lock button Diallo, lock button DeRozan, and just build as many good lineups based on that. Right? So I had over on Porzingis, get leverage at power forward spot. Lonzo Ball. I mean, look at this. 3% Lonzo Ball, like no one played him. 3% owned. Where did these players find leverage? That's what you're doing in results DB. You're looking at Hishpoo. You're looking at JK, Squirrel Patrol. Our own Squirrel Patrol, but just lock in to two LPC guys, LaMelo Ball, and kind of find the best construction from there, and then don't play as much as Schmidt. Right? Deontay Murray, right? Most of these have a lot of Deontay Murray, a lot of DeMar, a bunch of DeMar DeRozan. Take down here, D'Angelo Russell. That's what I did. I played a lot of lineups that had like Keldon Johns, one of the Spurs, plus D'Angelo Russell for both sides of the game. Because I know D'Angelo Russell was going to come in at sub 10%. And he he projected fairly well. 42% here. Hassan Whiteside to get a cheap center. Okay. I guess, I guess that fits. Right. I'm much more likely to use Pirtle, but obviously Pirtle was 24% owned. Sabonis 30% on like that. That was, that was the de facto chalk at the power forward and center spots. Sabonis, Pirtle. Then you got a little uh, Darius Baisley, I guess, in a power forward spot. Maybe a little Cody Zeller. Cause I mean, the center was a fairly weak position yesterday. I played some Embiid. I played some Embiid Hayward lineups or Embiid Monk lineups. To kind of correlate a little. I played a bunch of Porzingis also, right? Because if everyone's going to Sabonis and Pirtle, how do I get different? How do I still play the OKC guys and Jalen Brown or Tatum, you know, one of the Boston guys, and still get different? Well, I'm not going to be able to play Sabonis in that lineup or Pirtle. Or do you do the opposite? You play Sabonis and Pirtle, and then you find a way to get different from Diallo and Maladon. I went to Josh Richardson. I also went to Garrison Matthews in like two lineups. He didn't get there, right? What was Matthews owned amongst these guys? Yeah, but no, it's well patrol at 10%. Okay, I don't feel that bad, <laughs> right? He ended up with 10 points. Troy Brown did more off the bench than Garrison Matthews, but same type of thing. He was 5% owned, very, very similar to the to the Richardson, right? JK, Richardson, Uticao, 30% Richardson, score patrol at 4%. So yeah, people found constructions. Score 32 points for 4,600, pretty good. Too bad I had snowflakes in the lineups, right? You always have a lineup with one snowflake. Ah, I could have, could have gotten there. But this is what we do. This is what I do. I mean, this is, I'm literally looking at it for the first time. I've not looked at the screen. I brought up a whole bunch. What I do here is I go to ResultsDB, okay? Rotogrinders.com slash ResultsDB. You don't even need to be a premium member to use ResultsDB. And you take a look the day, the morning after. Go to ownership. Then it shows from the top, you know, the, the top scoring players. 
I look for the ones that are like 150s. Those are those are the guys that uh, that that are the pros play more often. And then I just start checking them. Check, 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 and it brings them up here, and you can compare them. Toggle full screen to get it over here. Compare these. Uticao had barely any Sabonis. No Sabonis. Barely. One lineup. That's what it looks like. One lineup with Sabonis. So how did he get different? Oh, played a bunch of Luca. Okay, that there you go. There's the leverage. Pay up at guard. Pay down at center, I guess. Had no LaMelo ball. Had a bunch of Deontay Murray. Let's see, 36%. Dorian Finney-Smith. That's where he went cheap there. Porzingis. Right, so he's not playing any Sabonis, so he needs power forwards. He needs power forwards and centers that are not Sabonis. Even Pirtle. Let's see what he did with Pirtle. Off oh, 60%. Okay, so he's stuck with Pirtle. So he, he went more Pirtle lineups, but less Sabonis lineups and tried to get leverage with like Porzingis and those types of guys. Anything down here? Caleb Martin, a little. Cam Reddish, a little. Anything absurd? 14%. Shake Milton. Okay. Right. How did he get different? Not with the players, but what would the constructions look like? We still played a bunch of you know, 11% is Smith, still Oladipo, still DeRozan, still some Monk. Still had a bunch, bunch of the still had a bunch of the best projected plays. But he built a lot of he built primarily non-Sabonis lineups. Managed to get one somewhere in the top 20 or something. Yeah, yeah, you needed some bonus. I get it. It doesn't mean you can't learn from how, how Uticao makes constructions. They're not going to win every day. Right, Papa Gates, just like locking Lamella Ball, locking Hamadou Diallo, and run it. Seems like what he did yesterday. So that's what you do in results, DB. I'm not questioning the players. Like, how did they find leverage? Especially, especially when you study the largest field GPPs, those are the ones that benefit the most by having leverage. So sometimes it's a little too nuanced. If you try to do this smaller single entry stuff, it almost kind of looks like everyone's kind of playing a cash lamp, right? If you just looked at the exposures, because you don't need as much leverage. So it's not going to, no one's going to really be going completely off the board. Usually in these contests, you kind of, you kind of have to. So you could see the leverage a little clearer in a 150 man build. So you can see how the constructions went. You can go lineup by lineup, but that takes a, that takes a bit of time. You could see here just by their exposures. Going through in YouTube chat. We got, we got Devin. We got, uh, got Eli in the chat also. Right. If anything goes wrong, it's Eli's fault. Okay. There we go. Devin, Devin's perfect. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kagan Hopkins asks, do you adjust the range of outcomes in your builds depending on if it's a large or small slate or do you keep it around the same no matter what? All the settings, I went over this yesterday, all the settings in, in Lineup HQ, which is a premium tool you could get if you sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description. You get 10% off your first month, $10 off or 10%. You get something. You get something your first month. You're using a calculator. So if you need to use range of outcomes, then use range of outcomes. If you don't, then don't use it. Like, what lineups do you want to build? Are you getting them? Yes. Then who cares? Are you not getting them? Oh, maybe I need to add some more randomness. 
So I get more diverse lineups. So I'm not getting the lineups that I want. There's no, there's no magic settings that you can put in. There's none. If you if, when I was building 100 lineups per slate, if I did a screen share, a capture of this screen, every slate, it would all look different, every slate. Okay? Try to get that three ahead. Okay? Because we get these questions all the time. What setting do you use? If you can, if, no, there's no such thing as what setting. Some, this is, I'll show you what some slates look like. Here's what some slates look like. I'll show you here. Here's a, here's, here's an example of the end of something. Maybe this, maybe that, uh, maybe this. I'm producing a hundred lineups. Sometimes I'm producing sets of 50 lineups, so that that's not even that's not even the sense. Maybe I'm doing two, seven percent here, fifty percent gar. Maybe maybe it's this. This is what it looks like at the end. I mean doing everything. Then the next day, it looks like looks like looks like this. Sometimes it looks like that. I don't even have ownership set up or I have 13%. Who knows? 15%. And it looks like this with me jamming in power forwards. Two unique play. Maybe I have three. Maybe I need more diversification. Here's the next day. That's optimal. This is at three. This goes down there. And sometimes it looks like just that. Sometimes it looks just like that. Sometimes... Sometimes it's a, sometimes I have a minimum set because I'm not I'm getting two contrarian lineups, right? And my max is just whatever the hell it is. You know, it doesn't matter. I have to put in a number there and no range of outcomes. What lineups do I want to make? I need to tell lineup HQ to make those lineups. I'm not starting from the point of I don't know. I don't know what to do. Let me put in some settings and see what happens. Like, no. At the point of me building the lineups, I I'm I already know what I'm going to do. I've already curated my player pool. I've already visualized what type of builds I want, what groups I have, and everything. And then I have to go, okay, in order to fit all these pieces together, what settings do I have to put in to get these types of lineups? And then you run it once and you go, okay, I'm not I'm nowhere close. Okay, I guess I need to set an exposure here and move that there and do this. Okay, now I'm getting a little bit closer. And then set a setting there, and every slate's going to be different. That's one thing that, I mean, I'll, I'll highlight like over and over again on this show. It's not about settings. Settings don't matter. Hand what you should do as an exercise. Hand build 20 lineups. Just hand build them. Hand build 20 lineups. Do it as, an, do it as practice. Hand build them. Now you have your 20 lineups. That, you want to play. Those are the lineups you want to play. Now go into lineup HQ and make those lineups. Get that exact set of 20. You're not you're likely not going to get the exact 20, but you should come close. If you know how to use the tool, you go, well, I, have, I have John Wall in half my lineups. Okay, I'm going to set 50% there. Oh, I'm gonna, this guy has to fit with that guy. And no, oh, I can't, I don't have any lineups that have two of these guys in it. So I have to set a group for that. So use whatever settings you need to use in order to get those 20 lineups. There you go. That's that's how you should be using lineup HQ. 
That's why it's not about the settings. Sometimes you're going to need to use some of the settings that I'm getting. I'm getting way too much. You know, like you, you have an issue where you're getting way too much, uh, too many point guards, right? Because a lot of point guards uh, project well, and you're pl- you're playing a lot of centers for leverage, right? It's kind of like, oh, everyone's paying up at point guard, and you're paying down, and you're playing double big center, and you want to build those types of lineups. Well, if you don't set anything, it's going to start jamming in point guards. So if you want more center, double center lineups, you're going to have to set this higher. Right, you're gonna have to if you, if you have too few small forwards in your in this in your player pool, and you don't want to play eighty percent of one sh- cheap small forward, but you have a bunch of power forwards. Well, make sure the power the forward utility is set at like eighty percent. You may need that if you see that it's jamming in Cam Reddish or some cheap small forward because you only have like like three available small forwards, and it's it's giving you them in the small forward spot as well as in the forward utility spot. So you're like, no, 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 no. I want more of the, the power forwards, even though they project poor. But I just don't want in 50 lineups to have, you know, 42 of that small forward. So what do you do? Well, you could decrease the exposure on that small forward, or you could use one of the global settings and set it so it's like, oh, I don't want, no, 100% power forward. But then you know that if you set 100% power forward, now you're going to set, start getting more exposure on your power forwards. There may be one power forward that median projection is higher than the others, and you start getting a ton of that guy. So now you have to go in and you have to, you have to, you know, max his cap, you know, cap his max to 20 or something, whatever you need, just so you start getting less of him. So you get the other power forwards. And that's only if you leave it on optimal, on 0%. Because it's just going to take whoever's the highest median and try to jam in and make you the best lineups. So even if if at that point you're still getting too much of a guy or this, you're not getting the lineups you want. Maybe you increase the range of outcomes. So it's kind of ignore starts uh, ignoring the median and kind of giving you a range. So maybe you could start getting the lineups that you want from there. So it could you could end up like this. This could be the end. And then you're seeing oh. I still not, I'm not getting the right leverage plays in. It's still giving me like too much chalk. You're building 50 lineups and it's giving you like chalky lineups at the top. And like the like contrarian, all the, all your contrarian players are in like the same lineups together at the bottom. So maybe you have to cap your ownership. Maybe at, at whatever it is, it could be 120 on that slate. Who knows? Who knows what the number is on that specific slate? You see that these chalky lineups all have cumulative ownership of like 150. And the ones at the bottom have a cumulative ownership of like 60. It's like, no, no, no. I want like a mix of that. So if you're getting that, maybe you, maybe, maybe blunt tool, you just 120, right? Maybe you set the minute at 80 and you go, okay, I just want those types of lineups. I see them in the middle. I want more of those. Sometimes you don't need to use it. Sometimes by the time you do it, it's, you're good. You don't need to use that. You don't need to use some of these things. Sometimes you do. So that's what that's why the settings are all in the basis of what lineups that you want to make. This is like one big graphing calculator. It's like one big all these settings. It's like, well, the, I'm, I'm, the calculator sitting there waiting to, for you to tell it to what to do. If you don't tell it anything, it's just going to start jamming in median fantasy points. That's all it's going to do until you tell it otherwise. So don't focus on settings. Focus on building lineups. 
Once you're good at lineup construction and you can understand what makes good lineups in the contest that you're playing, now instead of playing five lineups, now you can play 50 lineups and you have an efficiency tool in order to do that in five minutes, in 10 minutes versus five hours. Imagine building 150 lineups by hand. You can. Just understand that the set, the settings are there for what you need them to do. There's no like, what are my settings versus what is chop settings? What's squirrel patrol settings? It's always going to be different. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat, feel free. Type in your questions. For RGV and smash percentages, they're a threshold. You won't go, it's the same type of, there's no number. It's all relation to the slate. FF uh, Assassin, heard you talk a lot about players being efficiently priced. How do you determine this? You determine this by the, the price and the projection. By the salary adjusted plus minus is usually the best way. Wall is underpriced for this slate coming up based on our current projections, right? Efficiently priced means they're in the range where Donovan Mitchell for 7,800 gets median is 38. That's like efficient. Sure. He has a 19% chance of hitting, you know, a 50, 55 plus point score. But I mean, his median is it's efficient. He's efficient, right? Enos Cantor, 7,000. He's efficiently priced, right? A lot of, I mean, Ben Simmons efficiently. I mean, anything in this range is like efficiently priced. Their median matches their expected output for their salary. If they're underpriced, that means they're inefficiently priced. So like currently on this slate, John Wall is the is an inefficiently priced. Draymond Green is a little underpriced. Right? You look at that. That's what it means. So what does efficiently priced mean? It just means, okay, they're, they're fine. From a median perspective, and then from a ceiling perspective, you look at the smash percentage and go like typically, typically when you're around like the the 18 to 20 percent range, that that's like an efficiently priced player most of the time. And obviously, the most inefficiently underpriced players are also going to be the most owned players. People identify that I'm going to get more points on average for less salary. That's that's the name of the game in DFS. You're spending 50K in salary on drafting, 60K on FanDuel. How do I get the most amount of points for that that price? Well, I'm going to try to find commodities that that should be priced at 7,800 that I only have to pay 6,900 for. So I'm hoping to get more points than what I'm paying for. That's the, I mean, that's the core basics of, of DFS. Can you do that? But of course, other people can identify that as well. Let's see. Brian C., how do you determine which guys are good leverage and bad leverage? You don't want to just pick a guy just because they must project well. Yeah, yeah, of course. You're probably going to play players that project well. There's no such thing as good leverage or bad leverage. That you, Those are descriptors. Like, like you could, after the slate, who's good or who's bad. But other than that, like, you don't know what's going to happen before the slate, before the game start. You don't know who's going to be good or bad. But most likely, like, if we see that John Wall, for instance, 
John Wall in the point guard spot at 6,900 is going to be popular. Like maybe play, maybe play Christian Wood instead, a teammate in the center spot. Maybe play another guard. You find a different construction that doesn't have John Wall in it. What that is, who knows? But you're probably not playing. I mean, if to go down over here, like even if we just go by salary, let's go just by salary. Who's like very poor for their salary? Let's see. 4% right. John Collins, 7,300. I mean, he's fine, I guess. Yeah, right. He has a 4% chance, right? According to a 955 projection. So don't take this as gospel if you're watching later. But yeah, probably not going to play John Collins. I'm probably not going to play Andrew Wiggins. Probably not going to play Michael Porter Jr. Probably not going to play, let's see. Let's take a look at some really low. Bojan Bogdanovic, probably not. Kevin Herter. Probably not. Assuming Hunter's in. Are we we projecting Hunter in? Or no? It doesn't even matter if Hunter's in. Who knows? Yeah, I'm probably not playing poorly projected players. There's still plenty of decently enough projected players that you can build lineups with leverage. I mean, we could go through it right now. I mean, I'm going to build 40 lineups based on our 9.55 a.m. projections, which have not been updated for anything. So we take a look at our top lineup, 271.36. Luca, Eric, Anderson, Green, Cantor, Wall, J. Michael, Green, and Gorgie Jen. Doesn't seem all that appealing of a lineup, but I guess so. Right? You take a look at this, you go like, look, Wall's in like 100%. Luca's in 95%. Draymond's in 95%. So it's like, okay, most likely lineups are going to look something like pay up at point guard and... Guard. So these guard spots are going to be full by Wall and Luca. What are the guards are on this slate? Right? If Wall and Luca are going to be owned, like what other guards can we play that are going to be lower owned? Damian Lillard, they'll be lower owned. We even have initial kind of early ownership here. Trey Young, 7%. Right? These are places to get leverage. Ben Simmons. John Morant, I guess, a little low. Steph Curry, I mean, he's a little less, right? Because we have Wall currently right now from an owner. This is just initial ownership. 48% on Wall, 31% on Luka. Dre, 38%. Gorgie Jen at 30%. I mean, this is initial ownership. This This is going to change, okay? This is going to change. So maybe you get leverage by fading one of Wall or Luca in a lineup, not in all of your lineups, in a lineup, and playing another high-priced guard that'll be under-owned because so many people are playing Wall and Luca. Now you can experiment with this by maybe making a group. Just because you make groups doesn't mean you're gonna. These are the lineups that you're gonna play. You're just doing research, so you're putting Luca and Wall together, right? Saying, I can't play them both together. I need to fade one of them. So what do these lineups look like based on our current projections? Build 40. Okay, we get Lillard in here. So look over here. We get, yeah, 50% Lillard, 38% Curry, right? Do we get a lot more? We got still get more Wall. Basically, it eliminates Luka because Wall projects so much better than him. So let's say... Maybe you want to see what Luca lineups look like also. 
So you're like, just let me let me limit Wall to 50%. So at least it'll show me half the lineups with Luca and half the lineups without Luca, right? Because Wall projects so much better than Luca that he's just going to optimizer is just going to jam him in. So now I'm putting 50%, just so just so I can get half Wall and half Luca lineups. Remember, these aren't the lineups that I'm playing. I'm just doing reconnaissance, doing some research. So we'll go over here. Okay, so now we still get a ton of Draymond, Gorgie, Jeng, Wall, Luca. So what do these Luca lineups look like? Luca, Juan Toscano, Anderson, Damian. So we're getting Lillard. Lillard starts popping up and Curry starts popping up. Get some Embiid in here. LeBron, Trey Young down here. Okay, so these look, lineups look a little bit different, right? With both of them together, you get 271. 271, 233 ownership, right? Once we take them out, right? See, this top line, you're losing two points of median, but you're not gaining all that much ownership, right? So you'd look at, in this range, and try to find lineups that are lower than 230 in general. All right, we're scrolling down. Let's see if we get low to high. Right, at 193. But we're still we're already we're already down to two sixty three. Luca Gordon Finney Smith Toscano Anderson Green Green two Greens, Brandon Clark Lillard. Okay. See some lineups like this. So this is what you would do. Go through see what lineups look like. If you fade one guy but don't play the other guy. Let's say if you don't play uh, Lillard, maybe Lillard's questionable. Okay. So we don't even know. So you go through, maybe you X them out. And you go, okay, well, I'm not, I'm choosing not to play Lillard. What do these lineups look like? Right? Or I don't want to play Gorgie Jang. So what do those lineups look like? And then you compare one to each other. Maybe you save them. Maybe you save them. You click the heart and you save them for later. Just so you can take a look at what each type of construction looks like. Because then, then, I mean, now, I mean, like it's 1136 in the morning. We don't. This is none of this means anything yet. I know it's five games, but who knows what what Lillard could be out, right? Lillard's questionable and Bead's questionable. Porzingis on a back to back, he may be sitting. We don't know. So getting tied to anything now doesn't mean anything. So maybe you save them later, and you know you do a couple of more experiments and see. Okay, based on this, maybe I'm playing a lot more of Eric Gordon because I'm fading Wall. Okay, that that's a direction to take. But you're not going to know exactly what you're going to do until, you know, an hour before lock or so. So you start getting more news in. Don't don't be locked into lineups that you're making at 1130 in the morning. That's why I said that everything I'm doing right now is just for research. I'm not building these lineups. I'm not entering anything. Just looking. Let's go through the YouTube chat some more. How much do you, uh, Nicholas Cade, how much do you consider smash percentage in your builds? Is it something you always look at or something when you decide one player over the other? It's always something you always look at. That's that's the probability of a player hitting their GPP winning type of score, target score. Shouldn't it be the, one of the main things that you look at? That's not a tiebreaker. That's like the main thing that you look at. You're playing GPPs. Who's more likely to, who's more likely 
to hit the ceiling for their price. I want as many of those players as possible. And then compare to what, what they're going to be owned. So like in a perfect world, I'll sort by smash. So take a look at this. Steph Curry is 30% to smash at 9,800. He's 17% projected ownership as of right now. Who would you rather have between uh, Curry, Luca, and Lillard? If I mean, obviously, they're slightly different prices. But like Luca is going to be 31% owned. Curry is going to be 17% owned. And Curry for his price, I mean, if you take a look at the ceilings right here, like that, that 85th percentile outcome is not all that different, right? That's why the smash percentages are not all that different. So wouldn't I rather just pay $9,800 for that and get 14 points off my ownership? Yeah, there you go. Looks like Curry. Looks like Curry may be in some lineups. That's what you're doing. That's what DFS is. I take a look at Cantor at 12% owned, 28% smash versus what other center, Draymond Green, right? I mean, it's different prices. You take a look and you go, Draymond Green's going to be X percent owned. Yeah, he's decent, right? 28% at 5,200. He'll fit in some stuff. J. Michael Green, he'll fit in some stuff. But you try to compare. Look at Trey Young, 25% smash, 7% ownership. That may be a decent leverage play. He's playing against Utah. So maybe play a Utah guy on the other side. That would be a leverage lineup. Playing Trey Young. Let's say you play Trey Young and, and Mitchell together. Like you could play that. You just Let's see what the best lineup looks like. And you play this type of lineup. You could do it that way. You could use the sidebar. You could even experiment with what lineups would look like that way. Right? If I play Curry and Luca against each other. That probably means I, I'm not going to get John Wall, but let's see. I still get John Wall there. You get Dorian Finney-Smith and Draymond Green and Jeng. So this lineup may actually be a little too chalky. Well, you get some Seth Curry in there. You get the two Currys, right? Either your lineup's going to do well or gonna, it's going to be Indian food. Because you have too much curry. That, that, that's the joke. But this is how you experiment. What do these lineups look like in comparison to other lineups? And then you can make a decision from there. Maybe, and that's maybe you play Steph Luca lineups. Maybe you play Wall Przingis lineups. Maybe you play a bead lineups with Lillard, right? That goes together. What do those lineups got to look like, right? You get uh, Milton, Jang. I mean, you could run this, but I mean, if you wanted the top optimal from whatever you lock in, you could always use the, the lineup preview on the sidebar. Just be like, okay, if I'm going to use these two, pay up at center, pay up at, pa- at point guard, I still could use Wall, still could use Green. Got Jen, Kleberg, Anderson, Milton. I need to find some cheapies. I need to find some some three to five K type of guys. If I'm fine with doing that, then fine. Then you can play the lineup. If you're not fine, you're like, oh, I think this is thin. Then maybe you can't play Lillard and Bead lineups. Or maybe you just don't want to. It's perfectly fine. Let's see. Oh, uh, let's see. In the YouTube chat, get those questions in. Let's see. Uh, yeah, people in the chat are talking about value. 
versus the expensive players. That's what happens when you use expensive players. Like that's the stars and scrubs build. So a lot of times if you're making those builds, you have to use some really, you have to use some shady players. You just have to hope for the best. How did anyone know that Sterling Brown was going to have a good game? You don't, you don't know. Or Elf Payton or something like that. But in order to make those builds, you have to take shots like that. Sometimes your shots work out and sometimes they don't. Let's see. People are talking about groups in the YouTube chat. I like the way that I do. Do I even have to be here? You guys are helping yourself. Right. Jupocalypse is, is saying it right. The more that you restrict the optimizer, the less, the lower meaning that you're going to get. That's natural because the whole purpose of the optimizer is to optimize for median. So the more restrictions you give it, the lower it's going to be. Because you're, say, you're saying, like with no, with my build rules, at default. All right, I got this at default. Let me set this down to 20 to make it quicker. Let me get rid of the player group. Do I got any exposure? I got no exposure. Okay, let's get rid of walls exposure there. Like if I do this, it's just basically saying, based on these these median numbers, what's the best lineup? How can I jam in as much as possible? I think I, I still think I have something. Something off. Let's see. Where are we go? Where are we go? Let me let me fix this. Still think so. Let me let's just reset all the settings. Because I was playing around with everything before. Reset the settings. All right. Let's go here. 20 lineups. I should get the 20 best lineups that you can make. Yeah, here we go. 271.36. This would be considered the optimal median lineup. Right here. Because I'm not telling you anything. I'm saying, give me the 20 best lineups based on these, these this configuration. The configuration is nothing. Now I once I oh well, I don't want this lineup. I want to make sure I get X lot. That that's all you're doing with the the optimizer, right? Once you're telling it to, well, I wanted to make sure to have two unique players, and the optimizer's going, well, I have a lineup that would be a higher median, but since you're telling me that I need two unique players in each lineup, well, I have to skip that lineup, or you're telling it I need two centers in the lineup. Well, I have a lineup that has a higher median than that lineup that has a small forward in the utility spot. But since you're telling me otherwise, I'm going to skip that lineup. So that's exactly what you're doing in an optimizer. You're telling me you're, you're setting a group. You're saying uh, I don't want uh, I don't want Dorian. I don't want I don't want. Uh, I mean, you don't even have to need a group. Let's say I go to uh, build rules, and let's say I'm telling it uh, I don't want more than one player on the team. Right, which is kind of hard on a five-game slate, but whatever, we'll do it. So now it's going to go through, and it's going to go, okay, like take a look at the lineups we just made. It has Kyle Anderson and Gorgie Jenk in it. So now I'm telling the optimizer, I can't, don't make that lineup. And it's telling me, uh, but, but sir, it has the highest median. No, no, I don't want that. I want you to conform to my, to my rules. Right? Oh, look, Gorgie Jang and Kyle Anderson again. Right? Luca and Maxi Kleber. I'm telling you, the optimizer doesn't have a brain. The optimizer may, the optimizer, if it was a human being, may think that you're an idiot. Why are you restricting it to that? But it doesn't have a brain. It's just going to do whatever you tell it to do. So if I build 20 lineups with no more than one player from a given team, 
This meaning is going to come down. Look there, 267. Has Taylor and Horton Tucker in it for no apparent reason. Because it needs to find, there's only 10 teams on the slate and there are eight slots. That's to find one player from each team and fill it all in properly and still give you the highest median for whatever the rules that you put in, whatever settings you have. Right? If we if we constrict this to two, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll restrict it a little bit more. Now we're probably going to get that lineup. They're going to get the lineup that we had before, right? 271.36. It conforms to those settings. So it's just going to keep on trying to jam in as much median points as possible until you tell it otherwise. But just because the lineup has a ton of median doesn't mean it's a good lineup for GPP. Right? This may be a good cash lineup. But you have no leverage. You're not going to you're probably not going to win a GPP with them. So you have to build lineups that have lower medians and correspondingly lower ownership. So you get higher relative value against the field. This is the type of stuff that uh, I talk about in, in theory of DFS. I mean, this is exact. This is the concept. The tool is there just for you to, for efficiency purposes. Once you get the concepts down, you can hand build, you can use an optimizer, you can do whatever you want to build lineups. So learn it. These concepts are all in there. If you want it all in one package, get theory of DFS. How to think like a professional DFS player. It's a 15 hour audio masterclass. It applies to every sport. You have tons, look, table of contents and everything. Audio, take it with you. Tons of testimonials. I think you'll get more out of this than, than anything else. And you can refer back to it anytime you want. It's a reference guide, pretty much. Structured education. I talk about most of this stuff from this course in this show. From an application perspective. But it's all mishmashed. If you, you, do, you, do you want to watch this show in back catalog of hours of programming to get bits and pieces out? No, I wouldn't. So for convenience sake, in a nice structured, you know, seminar style, course style format, breaking down, outlined and everything in the proper order, you get the, the masterclass. 15 hours, go check it out. Theoryofdfs.com. Going back into the chat. Let's see. Rob B says, thinking of stopping the grouping of stubs opposite each other, just play opposite sides of chalk. Well, I mean, you could do either. Depends on how they project for their for, for that given slate, what their positions are, and what how that may, makes the rest of your lineup look like. Obviously, on slates where there's cheap value readily available, that ever that that you know, that, like you know, Maladon yesterday, Diallo. Like once we start getting the three K guys, four K guys that project very well, more likely the chalk build is going to be stars and scrubs. It's easy to get the studs, right? Because I can play a four K guy that should be six K. I get another forty five hundred dollar guy that should be six K, and like now you could start having stars and scrubs. Now you can get Sabonis, Giannis. You you gotten all those those players in. But on slates where the value is thin, there's pretty much most players are efficiently priced. Stars and scrubs lineups are very hard to build. That means they're built less. So you get the ownership discount from it. So you could do that if you want. 
let's see. Going through the YouTube chat, we have Alex Santi in there. Anyone should follow him on, on Twitter, at Alex Santi. When it talk, comes about game theory, Alex is the guy. Plays poker at a high level. Probably could beat me, but, but definitely could beat me now. I, I haven't played poker in God knows how long. I mean, I'd still be fine. I think, is the Doug Polk uh, Negreanu thing done? I think Negreanu lost a million bucks. 1.2 million, I think it's done finally. Alex Santi says, heads up for rolls. Now, I wouldn't do that. Got the apple juice here. It's getting, it's getting a little bit, a little bit room temperature-y. That's a word. It's a little cold on the outside, but not as cold on the inside. You're not hitting the thummy thumbs. You're not hitting the thummy thumbs. So hit those thummy thumbs on your way out the door. We got today's slate. Who knows what's going to happen? But right now, it's Wall, it's Luca, it's Draymond, Eric Gordon, Memphis. Are we going to play Memphis value? Is that is that is that a thing today? I hope it's not. Are we going to play Juan Castano Anderson after after him? Who's going to? He may start for Looney. We don't know what time is that game. But okay, we got oh they oh they're playing in Dallas, so that's early. Okay, we don't have to worry about that. So basically, the Denver Lakers, the Lakers game is the late game. Memphis at nine. Okay, okay. At least it's we'll 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 know the Warriors starting lineup. Then, I mean, against Dallas, I mean, I guess they, they could play small. They could play green. Both Powell's in. They probably need. I mean, how 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 tall is Justin? Is 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 Juan? Am I? I don't even know his first name. What's his first name? Am I messing it up? I think I call him Justin Juan. Juan Toscano Anderson. How tall is he? Juan Juan Toscano. How tall is he? Six six, six six. That's all he is. He's gonna play center against Dwight Powell. I mean, it's not like Powell does anything. Got Porzingis there. Who's the tallest guy in the Warriors now? Is Marquise Crystal there, or is he on another team? Where did he go? Who's gonna play center for the Warriors today? Right. Let's see. I mean, look look at this lineup. What's their? Who's their tallest player? It's not Mulder, Wanamaker, Bazemore, Lee, Pascal. Is Pascal the tallest players? That who's playing center today? Who's going to be guarding fucking uh, the Porzingis? Who knows? We'll see. Oh, Chris is done for the year. Oh, that, oh, now I know. It's going to be Pascal, and then this is when Pascal is going to be like two percent down and go off. Everyone's going to play Toscano Anderson, right? And then this is the Pascal game, right? That's what's going to end up happening. Flop lag. That's what they call it. In the poker world, they call it flop lag. Of course, if Porzingis sits, then then you then you don't have to worry. Then you just play the the Dallas guys. Then you start playing WCS. You play Kleber. You know, something like that. Kleba. Kleba. I think that's how you pronounce it. Kleba. Something like that. So we'll see. The lineups will come out uh, before it should come out before Lockhart. We never know. Sometimes we see that. Can we get the Warriors starting lineup, Steve Kerr? And you don't get it. 732. And you, uh, sorry. I thought they, I thought you're supposed to release it like 45 minutes before. I thought that's like an NBA regulation now. Nope, they don't care. Doesn't matter. 
Doesn't matter. They don't care about us DFS players, but I care about you, the DFS players. So hit those thumbs up on uh, on the way out the door. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, hit the notification bell so you know when we go live. We got Grinders live coming up at uh, that's going to be six o'clock on YouTube. Then we have Crunch Time with Roth and Meansy for the premium members at seven o'clock. If you want to become a premium member, you get all the projections, you get all the lineup HQ, you get all the content, you get all of everything. So much stuff. Go click on the link in the description, rotogrinders.com slash premium. Get $10 off your first month, single sport or the combo package for them all outside of NASCAR. But Stevie's NASCAR package is available. Right, NASCAR should be starting up like this coming week or something. Daytona or something that's coming up. I don't watch it, but I but I know it's coming up, and uh, I'll be I'll be coming up with you tomorrow on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com.